2: Good morning. A good Monday morning to you as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to Focus Fox Valley. Cozy up, grab a blanket, some tea. It's that kind of day as the rain falls outside the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY. Once again, want to mention that Hurling Clark Law Firm traffic alert in the Hortonville area, Wisconsin 15. uh, All lanes are blocked currently between Gibbons Road and the... um, In the park there as well uh, to Industrial Park Avenue because of an incident. So the the alternate route for you, eastbound traffic head south on County T to Double T and then head east on County Double T to M. If you're heading north on County M, go back to Wisconsin 15. So just follow reverse if you're headed in the opposite direction. But uh, crews are still dealing with that utility emergency over on Wisconsin 15, eastbound and westbound in Hortonville. This hour of the show brought to you by Sturdivant & Associates. You'll find them at 500 North Commercial Street in Nina, in that old train station depot. Coming up on the show, it's bringing it to you straight. We'll get to that in just a second. Also today, the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region joining us. We'll talk about some back to school giving events, all sorts of things, how you can get ready for. Back to school, even if you don't have kids in school right now. Also on the way, speaking of kids, the child care resource and referral here in the Fox Valley joining us. They've got a fundraiser coming up, but also we're going to highlight our current child care scene and some of the most pressing issues families and caregivers are facing right now. But it's a Monday, and today's second Monday, we have Bringing It to You Straight, straight answers to your financial questions with Fox Communities Credit Union.
0: The following program is hosted by Fox Communities Credit Union. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other hosts or advertisers.
1: Fox Communities Credit
3: Union.
2: All right, and today's presentation is brought to you by Fox Communities Credit Union and is intended for educational purposes only and does not replace independent professional advice. Statements and opinions are those of the presenter individually. Fox Communities Credit Union deposit products are federally insured by NCUA, an equal housing lender. Some great topics coming your way today. Of course, we'll get to that fraud focus in just a little bit, but Right now, we're highlighting safeguarding kids' identity and online privacy. As a parent, I cannot learn and soak up enough information on this topic. And luckily, we have a returning voice with some insight on how to keep your kids safe online and to protect their identity as well. Mia Peterson joins us here in the studio. Mia, good to see you again. Good to see you, Haley. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little introduction of you. I have a wonderful uh, bio here. And if you'd like to add anything to it, feel free. But Mia began her financial career as a teller while still attending college in St. Paul, Minnesota. And after graduating, she was promoted to Teller Supervisor where she managed a team of 15 tellers. A few years later, she was married to her husband, Chris. They have two boys, Zach and Cade, who are now in their early 20s. Mia has coached them in saving for college, as well as budgeting and managing their finances. And currently, Mia is the financial education specialist at Fox, where she creates and shares financial literacy content with members, team members, schools, and the community like on programs like this welcome back mia
3: exactly thank you so much
2: all right a really really good uh topic again parent to parent this is Mm -hmm. one that i cannot learn enough of but i think of you know grandparents out there aunts and uncles or anyone with young people in their lives this is something we need to be mindful of and educate ourselves on I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. All right. So let's start with a very g- generic and general phrase, but how do we keep kids safe <laughs> on the Internet, the World Wide Web? Right. Well,
3: it's really uh, interesting. Kids, we, as you know, are incredibly savvy and techie these days. Um, but we as parents, we're responsible for teaching them how to use the Internet safely and responsibly. But this can be hard sometimes because they often
2: know more than we do. <laughs> they do. I, I will say I've got six, three, a six-year-old, a three-year-old. Both of those kids are able to navigate my phone. Right. And I did not teach them how to do that. Just They're just watching us. Right. They're just watching us. That's
3: really, really good, important point. Um, so first off... I think it's really important to remind ourselves that the internet can be a really great and useful tool for our kids. Really useful; um, it provides valuable information on endless subjects. I'm reminded of, boy, what a difference when I was a kid in school what we had available to us. Um, so, really, you know, it's it's important. It's a great, great tool, and there's social benefits as well. Um, social media, if used right, can help maintain and uh, strengthen friendships. We really saw that. Yeah. Right. We saw that during the pandemic um, for my family, um, just to be able to connect with cousins and family members that my kids were used to being able to hang out with. Yeah. And they just for a while weren't able to. Yeah. So
2: Well, and if you compare it to, you know, the good old days, I say that in quotation marks, but <laughs> there was a lot more comfort in sending your kid off on a bike and letting them meet their friends. And right. that might not be the case in 2023. And if keeping up with your friends and catching up is only available via you know, a phone or something that's, that's new. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So you talk about this topic a lot. So how do you help? How can we all help our kids right. navigate this safely? So I really like this term
3: media mentor. We we kind of um, got into this with our kiddos. Um, and so first, every parent for themselves needs to decide how much time they're going to let their kids be online. Um, but and you'll hear me say this throughout the program, it's really important to be engaged with your kids regardless of their age. So in our household, we use the media mentor idea as a great opportunity actually to do one-on-one with our boys. Mm. So my son or my husband would take one of my sons, and, and they go off and, and do things within the media, and I'd take the other one. And it was a really great connecting time for us, and we got to know them uh, even better um, for that. So... Um, but the reason that we um, did that was because we see that studies have shown that more, the more time you spend as a media mentor, the less likely they are to access inappropriate material, chat online with a stranger. Or post unsuitable things online.
2: Mm. And I think to, to you know build off of that, I've, I've, I've had conversations with friends of older kids. How did you start to navigate this? And they say, you know, we let our kids know that their phone is my phone. Mm-hmm. And that we all have eyes on yes. those devices. And that's helped, I think, keep a really open line of communication. And, and kids know that mom and dad have access to everything they're looking at. Right. Absolutely. And I think I'm thinking of
3: the younger kids before they had the phones. Mm-hmm. And so what for us, it was our PC was always in an open area. So absolutely, we'd be walking by, we knew exactly what they were doing and who what they were looking at.
2: I think conversations go a long way too. And this next point is just be engaged with <laughs> your kids. Can you build on that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So
3: just really, we want to talk to them about internet safety and we used the stranger danger technique mm-hmm. so just as the we have tips like don't go anywhere with someone you don't know there are internet safety tips that we can share like if you're ever sure about anything online like if you just don't know what if this is right or if, just always ask your parents or teacher or grandma or grandpa
2: Grandparents are not excluded in this as we are all becoming more tech savvy these days. Yeah. Um, What else do you got for us? Yeah. So as I mentioned, um, my husband and I did this with our boys.
3: We just spent time with the, uh, so spend time with your kids in the digital world. So you can play video games. What we did was we downloaded and explored apps with them. In short, find out what they're interested and then follow their lead. Um, And I will say sometimes this can be easier said than done, especially if you don't share the same interests. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking of my older son who really loved all things military, and Mm -hmm. that just was
2: not my (laughs) interest, but we did it anyway but you did it anyway yeah all right we do need to take a little break but i know when we come back we're going to talk more about protecting your kids from identity theft kind of a different mm-hmm. side of this of course keeping your kids safe online but what if someone tries to use your child's identity that's scary mm-hmm. we'll talk with uh, mia about what you can do as a parent or grandparent or caregiver and we'll return with more bringing it to you straight right after this Once again, welcome back. We are highlighting ways to safeguard and protect your kids' online privacy with financial education specialist Mia Peterson here today with Fox Communities Credit Union. All right. Protecting your kids' identity. This is another level that I think a lot of families don't think about, but it's, it's a real thing, and it's scary as a parent to think that your precious little one's name might be used for other reasons. So... Where do we start with this? What are some tips you have for us, Mia, on how to protect our kids?
3: Yeah, so as I mentioned before, and I said I was going to probably say this a lot, but it's really critical that we find ways to spend time with our kids in the digital world. Um, We're going to ask ourselves, like, who needs to know my kids' whereabouts, right? Yeah. Probably not too many people. So you want to avoid the location sharing. You're going to want to check and enable the privacy settings. And then remember... That information about kids' whereabouts should not be accessible to outsiders. So it's better to limit that information
2: and communicate with your kids directly to find out where they are and what they're doing. Yeah, that's really, really smart. You don't, or maybe if you go somewhere, I think too. Maybe we, we visited a really fun place, and I want to share this fun place. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid posting about it until after. We've mm-hmm. been there just so you know it's not active like that. Exactly. Yep. Okay. okay. Um, what else do you have? A strong password. Oh, yeah. This is a good reminder for everybody.
3: <laughs> yep, it absolutely is. Um, and there's ones we use a lot of passwords in our work, um, but it's always like, great whenever we have to like change our passwords just that, oh, that's a reminder that I gotta do that with my other stuff on, at home as well. So, um, but all passwords really should contain at least eight characters. I like to use a phrase because that makes it kind of easier to remember. And then it usually makes that um, character uh, count, count add up real real fast. Yes. <laughs> um, but don't use any familiar names or terms like nicknames or birthdays. Um, use a combination of numbers and letters and symbols. And this, like, again, is the one that a lot of us don't do, but you really should be changing your password every six months. Yeah. Um, And then a good reminder to your kids just to let them know, hey, don't share this password with anybody you can let us know, obviously, but as parents um, or a caretaker. But other than that, they've got to really keep that to themselves.
2: And I know it's so hard sometimes to remember all of these Mm -hmm. different passwords. Maybe that's why you use the same one across multiple (laughs) platforms, but try to avoid that because... That's how easy people can hack into things if they just keep guessing the same password, it's it's right. Yeah, it's true. And that's why, again, I really like the
3: phrase, because you can come up with all kinds of different fun phrases. And you can work on that with your kiddos, too, and just see what they can come
2: up with um, themselves. All right, tips for screen names. I'm going to age myself here, but I remember AOL Instant Messenger back in the (laughs) late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, my screen name, again, I'll I'll embarrass myself and date myself here, but it was Chatterbox 365, which, again, maybe little foreshadowing as i currently talk for a living (laughs)
3: right right
2: so yeah and things have changed because you really
3: shouldn't use your real name mm -hmm. um you're you're giving away information when you do that so um you don't want to use your real name really don't want to give out any personal information we keep emphasizing that and of course your screen name really never should be offensive or inappropriate
2: All right. Child identity theft. This is terrifying. Mm -hmm. But what do you see and what are thieves doing? Right. So this is what you just said. You know, a lot of times people don't realize that their children
3: can be a target for um, those child uh, thieves, child identity thieves. Um, And they target them because they want their social security numbers so they can open up bank accounts or take loans out. So you really want to be able to check your to see if there's a credit report in your child's name. So you'll just check the three reporting bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Annualcreditreport.com is a great resource to get free uh, copies of the credit reports once a year. And then we actually recommend our our members to do that for themselves as well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just to get into the habit of doing that every year. All right. Anything else we can do to keep our kids safe online, Mia? Yeah, well, I'm going to say it again, Haley, communication is key. It's really important that we teach our kids how to recognize unwanted and, and inappropriate conversations. And when we teach them that, right, we were talking um, on the, the break that our kids are watching what we're doing. So that's why I keep emphasizing that we want to do these things together because they're going to you're going to help them recognize that unwanted behavior so that they'll learn how to avoid the situations. Because we also talked about as they get older, they're going to end up having these handheld devices yes. and they're going to be away from us. Yeah. So it's, it's important for us to teach them that young. So uh, at the younger age, um, you want to teach them to trust their gut feelings about uncomfortable situations and give them examples of inappropriate questions that they might be asked, like if someone asks you for a picture online or if someone asks to keep the relationship a secret Mm. and let them know that those are obviously inappropriate.
2: All right. I would imagine um, you've got some great tips or you're able to talk with families to more in depth about this type of topic. You're right. Yeah. And how can they get in touch with you for that? Yeah.
3: Sure. Um, so I can be reached at mpeterson at foxcu.org. And I'd be more than happy, especially, you know, if you're if you're dealing with something, if you find that out, um, that, that, that there's been a, a threat to um, your child and, and you have that, um, you found that out. If they're a victim of identity theft, I certainly would love to help help out in that way so you certainly can reach me at again M Peterson at
2: foxcu.org excellent thank you so much Mia for being here today thank a really know. important topic and I think we'll be talking about uh, internet safety at our house this week yeah so be that media mentor <laughs> in- indeed all right thanks Mia <laughs> thank you Haley. we are going to take a short break but when we come back that fraud focus just around the corner and We're going to kind of continue that uh, three-part series we've been featuring here, looking at the demographics of fraud. And we are going to talk more about late to mid-teen 20s and the scams they fall for. Also talking more about those midlife and elderly consumers, too. So do not go away. Our fraud focus is next as we continue to bring it to you straight. Right now, a look in the Midwest Garden. We're back with more of bringing it to you straight and an extended edition of our fraud focus as we welcome in once again, Heidi Keeker, their fraud officer. Heidi, welcome back to the program.
4: Thank you, Haley. Thanks for having me.
2: And some extended time today to really dig deeper into some ways people are finding fraud. So let's maybe take a step back, though, Heidi. You are sharing with our listeners kind of a three-part series here that looks to identify different age groups and the specific types of fraud they are experiencing, correct?
4: Yeah, and I think what we found... um, Is really just it really can be broken down into kind of those three demographic categories and what types of scams each demographic falls victim to, which is kind of just a whole different um, interesting spin on you know looking at it and how we approach the education side of it. So, uh, like you've mentioned, you know we have your late teen to mid twenty demographic, and then you know midlife um, consumers, and then your elderly population. So. I know in last month's broad focus, I covered more of the late teens, mid-20s, um, and the scams that they're more than likely to fall victim to. And um, So I'll kind of maybe do a recap today and then yes. get into more of the midlife.
2: Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. Recap for us um, huh. what so, kind of st- scams. Yeah,
4: Yeah. so uh, for those that may have missed... Um, uh, last month, or to remind everyone on what those two scams are that we see impacting the late teens to mid-twenties, um, one, we kind of label it as the art project scam, and then you have uh, the online befriending scam.
2: And how do those work exactly, Heidi?
4: Yeah, and I guess before I get into the details, I'll say for both of these types of scams, um, and probably the majority of what I'm talking about is um, what they have in common is someone you don't know reaches out to you online via whatever social media platform, whether it's, you know, like an Instagram or a Snapchat, and they're asking you for something. So, you know, just if you kind of keep that in the back of your mind, um, you know, it might be to pay you for your likeness or an image uh, for an art project or pay you just to talk to them in like the online befriending scam. Um, So, I feel like they're kind of innocent things, and as you know, Mia was kind of touching on um, that age group, and that's pretty much how they interact with with um, you know other individuals, and you know it just seems like an innocent conversation that can maybe lead into other things.
2: Yeah, and, and Heidi, it seems like such a simple thing, but it's really easy, and it can very quickly turn into a scam. Can you share
4: why? Yeah. So in both of these scenarios, too, the scammer typically sends the consumer a check, uh, usually via email, and typically the check's already endorsed. You know, they they the consumer just takes a picture of the check off their computer screen and then deposits the check. Uh, you know, everyone probably has the mobile check deposit feature in their online banking, and uh, sometimes the scammer will ask the consumer to let them know once the check has been deposited so they can continue to... Um, to have the consumer proceed with the process, and really what the scammers hoping is the check is deposited, the consumer sends the funds to the scammer, and then typically the check is returned a couple days later, and the consumer is left to pay for the return check and the funds they sent to the scammer.
2: Wow. Okay. So, so it, <laughs>
4: it, yeah, it it really is a uh, process that works pretty quickly. Yeah. Before you know it, it it turns into a scam.
2: All right and, and any red flags uh, any any obvious um, things to look for, Heidi, to prevent falling victim to this type of scam?
4: Yeah, yeah, and I think there are and I like I said, I think it's just things to keep in the back of your mind if you're on no matter what age group you are, just things to keep in mind when you're when you're out there online on different social media platforms, just knowing what the red flags are
2: mm-hmm.
4: I always say it's not normal when a random person messages. You and wants to give you money really for any reason. It, it doesn't matter um, what that reason is. Um, just understand what checks should look like and how they work. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, younger consumers they don't deal with checks, so they don't really understand how the processing uh, works with that. And always trust your gut. If something feels or seems weird or is too good to be true, just ask questions of someone. Um, and like Mia was talking about before, just having that uh, great communication between. Uh, youth and their parents or grandparents or whoever that is, just always um, ask somebody. And then, uh, again, as always, just try and limit the information you share uh, with whom you share on social media. Bad people are always out there looking to pull any information or what we could say fish for information and can pull it from different um, media platforms and can use this against you, unfortunately. So just keeping all those things in mind as you're out there on social media
2: yeah Heidi I'll just add a place that I see people kind of fishing for people to engage with them to maybe you know lead to a type of scam like this I see it often in the comments section maybe you comment on a local news story or a national news story or an interesting or funny picture and these these scammers will make accounts and comments underneath your comment, oh, I see your profile. It looks so nice. I would love to message you. Can you check your inbox? And red flag. Yep. <laughs> that's
4: yep. And they want you to click on something. And uh-huh. one I've seen recently, too, is where they take a story and it's they're claiming like it's a bad accident. And um, they tag like one of your friends in it to make it look like, oh, goodness, this is someone that I know. I, I need to click on this. What is the story? Who is involved in this accident? And that's really what they're doing is trying to, get you to uh, to react to something. Because of course, everyone's interest is like, oh, no, I don't want it to be someone that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just all those different ways. And you just really have to be careful of what you're clicking on and who you're engaging with and who you're you know, chatting with online. Indeed.
2: All right. Great reminders for yeah. listeners. Heidi's going to stick with us and we're going to turn to the midlife demographic category next and talk about some of the scams that they are seeing the most for this age group. So don't go away. It's bringing it to you straight and we'll have more of our fraud focus in just a minute here as we return after this. Welcome back to Bringing It to You Straight with Fox Communities Credit Union. All right, we are highlighting our fraud focus here today. Heidi Keeker, their fraud officer, with us once again for this special extended segment. And we're breaking down the midlife demographic category and the types of fraud we see for those folks. That includes me in this uh, in this age group here, Heidi. So uh, what can people in this age range kind of look for, or what are they more likely to fall victim to?
4: Yeah, so these uh, scams seem a little bit more like they could legitimate range, but then um, it's just really tough to identify some of the red flags because they're all things that, again, are, you know, the midlife to maybe the elderly consumer are just doing on a, a regular basis, and they are legitimate things. So, it's just really tough to, to identify those red flags. And uh, what those three different types of scams are, um, again, similar to the teen to mid-20s, they all have in common are results from online activity. So, you know, although they could have that legitimate circumstances, we just have to make sure that we're aware of what the red flags of, of each of the scams are.
2: All right. So can you break them down for us, Heidi? What are you seeing? How do they work?
4: Yeah. So first we have the online vehicle or large item scam, and really what that is is pretty much what it sounds like. So it's when it, typically as a consumer posts an item for sale. Let's just say on Facebook Marketplace, and uh, we'll say for the sake of you know this example, the item is a piano, and the seller is selling it for two thousand dollars. Well, then you know the seller uh, gets a message from an interested buyer. The buyer sends the seller a check, usually next day, um, in one of those. Uh, nice big envelopes, um, and it, the check is for three thousand, though. And so the the buyer says, well, the two thousand is is for the seller, right? Is for the the price of the piano, but then they want the seller to pay the movers a thousand dollars when they pick it up. Or they'll say, you know, another reason they might say is, "Oops, my accountant overpaid you. Can you send me the thousand back?" Mm -hmm. So they're always making an excuse, and it's kind of like an an overpayment scam, if you will, too. However, you want to name it, but they're always sending you more than what you really expected. And the the point is really that the scammer wants you to send money back to them, and then when the check that they sent you is returned, you're left. Now you've sent out the item, or you've given the item away, and now you're out. The money that you sent to the scammer. Oh, so, like tricky. I said, it's a very legitimate situation that you're just trying to get you just innocently trying to get rid of something, and then you just fall victim to it when when a scammer reaches out to you.
2: Yeah, and I know uh, the <laughs> the endorphins that you receive when someone clicks on an item you're trying to sell, and you get so excited. Sure. Oh, great! Someone's looking to buy this, and man, yes. I, it's it's I can see how easily someone might might fall for that one, 100%.
4: Yes. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then the next one is online employment scams. So this is, again, typically when a consumer is looking for a job online, perhaps, let's we'll say, on Indeed. And since, kind of since the pandemic, a lot of jobs have evolved into work-from-home opportunities and, like, consumers that, you know, find benefits in this opportunity, right, sort of the scammers. So scammers might make false job postings, to draw applicants in by giving them kind of all those, like, oh, yeah, I want to, from home, and I don't, you know, I don't want to work weekends, and I want to work Monday through Friday, um, so these applicants then submit their application, and suddenly the employer reach out reaches out, and the interview process isn't really your typical process, right, and it leads to the employer sending them a, a check, and again, we'll say for the sake of this example, it's $4,500. And they say, well, this is to cover for your office equipment and supplies and, you know, maybe someone needs to install software on their computer to kind of get them started and set up. And so the applicant, you know, is going right along with it, thinking it's a legitimate company as, you know, scammers supposed to be from. Um, the applicant then deposits the check, purchases the, the set equipment or from wherever the scammers telling them to. And then they send money to the scammer thinking that they're going to be purchasing the software, now the check is returned. Uh, now the applicant is out the money they sent. And now, honestly, they're without a job that they thought that they had, that they applied for. And really what's sad in these situations is typically when you're starting a new job, you're going to quit your old one or your previous job. Right. And now that consumer is left without a job even to, um, you know, and now they're out that money that they sent to. So it's just really sad um to invest your time in in thinking that you're getting a a real job and then it ends up not being a real job um, in the end. Hmm. Man,
2: I I can't imagine an an instance where people wouldn't research a company, but again, when people are so eager to move you work from home, you you take advantage of that convenience for
4: sure. Yep. And sometimes uh, it, It's hard, I think, too, when scammers pose as what could be legitimate companies. So if you, as an applicant, will be researching that company, you're thinking that you're working with that company uh, legitimately. And, um, you know, the scammers just might be saying, I'm ABC company, and you do all the research for them, and you're like, oh, they have great reviews and all these people like working there. But it's really not the true ABC company that you're working with. And I think that's when it's so hard that you – you're just going by what the company is saying or doing because you don't know any different. Maybe that company does their interviewing process different, or maybe they, this is the process to work at home for this yeah. company. So it's just really it puts consumers in a tough position in those situations.
2: Definitely. All right, Heidi, I know you have yeah. one more example for us. This one kind of an online loan fraud situation.
4: Yeah, so then the last one that we typically see with this age group is um, consumers looking for a loan, thinking, again, they're working with a legitimate loan uh, company online. The consumer submits their application, for, and again, for the sake, we'll say they're requesting a $10,000 unsecured loan, um, and maybe they're just in a really tough spot to help pay their bills, to kind of get them out of, um, out of that debt and just kind of have a consolidation loan perhaps. So the loan company responds by telling the consumer, well, in order to approve you for the loan, you, know, they need, to, you need a higher credit score. So in order to get this, you know, the company says, well, we're going to deposit $5,000 into your account, which they unfortunately usually ask for the consumer's online banking username and password, which should be your first red flag. Uh, but the applicant will then have to send that money back because they're saying this will increase your credit score. Okay, so that should be your second red flag. Um, again, you know this is typically in the form of a check, and you might be getting you know, the idea right from these previous previous examples that I've been sharing. The check is returned now, and now the applicant is out the money they sent back, and is honestly probably in an even more devastating financial state than they were before, because they're obviously taking out a loan to help with their financial needs, and now you just sent. $5,000 thinking that your credit score was going to be increased and now you're out that money. So it's just it's just devastating circumstances and how quickly it goes and how good the scammers are grooming you thinking, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to really help you and help your credit. And, and honestly, on top of all that, then what do you all give out when you're applying for a loan, right? You give all your personal identifying information. You give all, you know, any financial information that they... You think that they need to do a credit check on you, and now you have to be concerned about with protecting your identity, as Mia was kind of alluding to before, which is a whole other level that you need to consider and, and could be very life-altering, unfortunately. Wow. So you can kind of see the escalation of the different types of scams yes. that it can go very, something very simple to very drastic and very drastic measures that they take to, to scam consumers.
2: All right, Heidi, so let's maybe go through, I suppose, in general and what we've kind of gathered through these different scenarios, some red flags. What should people look for so they can prevent falling victim to the different types of scams that you've shared with us?
4: Yeah, so kind of as I alluded as I was going through all of them, really, but it's just being cautious when you're online. Um, Always be cautious if if you receive a check from someone you don't know. And if the check is more than you expected, those things just don't really make sense. So, kind of look for the, I would say, the more obvious red flags. Um, you know, look to see where the check came from. Does it make sense with who you're talking to? Is it from the same state or same area? Um, you know, remember, honest employers will never ask you to pay upfront fees for a job or equipment. Um, I would say to also. Don't ever feel pressured to send payments via gift cards, wires, money orders, or cryptocurrency. All of those things are very um, highly used in, in scam situations, so it's pro- more than likely a scam if they ask you and force you to use those different types of payment mechanisms. Never share any personal information, you know, your online banking, username, and password. Nobody needs that.
2: No.
4: Um, and I'll just say, you know, always trust your gut. If something seems weird... Just stop, think, maybe just talk to somebody. Just tell them the scenario, the, the story, and, you know, kind of you telling somebody else melt, might help you recognize the red flags, and also that person can say, well, that doesn't sound right, that sounds like a scam. So, um, like I said, you know, know was saying earlier to keep that communication open with whether it's your family members, your friends, um, always things like that, and honestly, if something seems too good to be true, it, pr- it probably is.
2: Okay. That's just general life advice, I think, but certainly applicable when it comes to scams. All right, Heidi, Uh, we've covered a lot here today, and I know there's a place that people can go if they are even intrigued to learn a little bit more. Where is that?
4: Yeah, please do. Um, We do have on our website, uh, org. if you click on today's radio show event, there'll be links to more information on the scams I covered today and um, it will, you know, go through those different red flags and kind of the, the steps that scammers usually take. So please feel free, if you want to see it in, in print, please feel free to go go there today. Perfect.
2: Well, Heidi, thank you so much. We have a lot that we've covered. And as always, thank you for your insights into the topic of fraud.
4: Yes, thank you. And then hopefully next week then, or next week, next month, we'll cover the, the third and final part uh, to the series of what scams are impacting our our elderly consumers.
2: Excellent. All right, Heidi, thank you so much. We'll talk with you next month. Yes, thank you. And that's been this month's edition of Bringing It to You Straight. All right, welcome back for our second hour of Focus Fox Valley. Hello, I'm Haley Pass, and we are all cozied up here from the Myron Construction Studios. I love a good rainy day, and I couldn't help but get fall vibes this weekend a little bit. We were in sweatpants, we were up north, and it was chillier up there. We even noticed some of the tops of the trees, of the maples changing color just a bit, but I think I'm going to be brought right back to reality later this week as uh, much warmer temperatures return which is good which is very good but the rain we're all going to say today we needed this rain right it's it's encouraging to see that that soaking outside we'll have a much deeper first alert forecast talk with Keith Gibson coming up in about 20 minutes so Stay tuned for that. Right now, we're checking in with the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region and a topic that a lot of us have on our minds this time of year that would be back to school. And today, we welcome back to the program, Megan Schusler, the Assistant Vice President of Donor Services and Gift Planning to talk about how the Community Foundation factors into some back to school and fall themes. Hi, Megan. Welcome back to the show. Hi,
1: Haley. Nice to see you. Yes.
2: Nice so, for ba- having me. yes back to school time in our house right now we've got a kindergartner on the way that means shopping for school supplies getting all those things but back to school means a lot of different things depending on your season of life and i certainly don't want to eliminate families or people who don't have kids in in school anymore so we're going to kind of expand beyond maybe your typical student here today
1: Right, right. And I'm with you. I had kindergarten orientation this morning for Ah, my youngest. So definitely in that back to school mode.
2: We have ours this week too. Okay. So how does, or what does back to school, I guess, mean for the Community Foundation? Tell us a little bit more. Sure.
1: So usually this time of year when it's back to school, we start seeing a little bit more activity at the Community Foundation. Um, Summer tends to slow down a little bit in terms of Needs from that we're hearing from the community, and um, granting that some of our fund holders might want to do because they're busy doing their summer things. But once we get that back to school feel in the air, which we've had the last few days, we really start to see more of those questions of what's going on in the community, how can I help, where might the needs be, and we see a lot of organizations whose work kind of centers on the back to school activity in the fall heading into the year where they might start coming forward and saying we've got some initiatives that we could use some help with from our community members Mm -hmm. and that's that's where we can make those connections and help them meet those needs and help our our generous donors make grants that they want to make to support those needs in the community.
2: I think you bring up a great point a lot of people start their calendar in January but a lot of people still come I think it's a comfort almost we start our calendars maybe in September. I think that's just a comforting thing that we kind of grew up with. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And in terms of philanthropic giving, I think a lot of times people think once it gets to Thanksgiving, Christmas, a lot of activity happens then. And that's certainly true. But it's never too early to start thinking about what you want to do towards the end of the year and realize that there's some things that there's nonprofits looking for dollars for great programs right now that you don't have to wait until the end of the year. So as you start thinking about back to school, what your fall plans are, maybe what you're going to start doing for the holidays, don't forget to start thinking about what those philanthropic end of year giving plans might look like for you and your family as well.
2: Any tips into factoring that into your decision? You're making right now to make up for that end of the year giving?
1: Yes. I think one of the conversations to have with your family is if you're going to be doing this, you're, you're giving as a family, is what organizations are meaningful to you? Where are you at in your life? Who are the people and the things that you want to ensure have support? You know, are you a younger family where right now you're focused on school and all the activities that your kids are into and wanting to support those things and those needs so that maybe their peers that that could use some help in some areas have mm-hmm. the resources that they need in supporting those organizations? Or are you in a place where you are you don't have kids and you've got pets and you want to support animals and how can we help those types of things? It's And then later on in life, are you at a point where you want to support your grandkids and what they're doing? Or are there other things that you want to think about for the legacy that you want to leave in organizations that have become meaningful to you over time that you'd like to support? So really having that conversation with yourself and with your family members that are participating in the giving to determine What your areas of focus might want to be.
2: We say back to school, but that also sometimes means back to fall just events in general. So how does the Community Foundation kind of connect with fall events? You might not even realize there's a connection to your favorite thing that you attend every October. <laughs> yes.
1: So there's a number of events that the Community Foundation has funds that play a part in with, throughout the community in the fall months. Um, one of the things that we support is we have a fund that supports the Making Strides Walk for Breast Cancer that takes place every October in Appleton. There's also the Heart Walk that we have a fund that supports every every fall. And then there's some other things like one-off things that some fund holders might want to do like this year we had a fund step forward and say they wanted to support a blood drive so Mm -hmm. they're going to be supporting a blood drive in a couple of weeks to help build that blood bank back up and get some donors out there going into the winter months when we know that they have a high need for things like that so it's any way that you might want to get involved um and any number of events, you know, even the even the small online events, like Community Clothes Closet had a back to school blitz the last couple of weeks. We had a fund support that along with a fund from the Oshkosh Area Community Foundation to help donors get matches out there. And then we had other other fund holders want to make grants to meet that match as well.
2: I see some other examples, uh, you know, food drives, brat fries. If you even aren't doing a fund through the Community Foundation, just going out and supporting these little things here and there make a difference?
1: Absolutely. Even, you know, things at your school as you're going to those orientations and having those back-to-school meetings and meeting the teachers, is there something that they need that they could use for their classroom that you might want to help? Are they wanting to build a new playground? Are there small efforts that you can get involved with within the school outside of having a fund with us that maybe you think might be a fit for you and your family and what you want to do. And for those things where you want to turn to the Community Foundation, we're always there to help you make those connections too and find what's needed in the community and, and help you meet that match.
2: I'll do a shameless little plug here. We did put together uh, an article on our website, which lists different back to school needs in the community that you can give to. So check that out on our website, whby.com. Or I'm sure you can check in with the Community Foundation. They will direct you to so many different ways people are looking looking for help.
1: Absolutely. And one of the programs that we do run through the Community Foundation is the Backpack for Kids campaign. So you can, there's a fund at the Community Foundation, you can make a donation, you don't have to have a fund at the Community Foundation to participate in that. And they just ensure that area students have the backpacks filled with school supplies that they might need to attend their school for the fall. So that's one other way that you can get involved without having to open a fund with us or make a small difference that might fit, again, what you're trying to do and, and where you want to support.
2: We have that one listed on our list, so you Great can list. find it at whvy.com. <laughs> We're going to take a short little break. We're going to talk more about ways to head back to school and, and support our community. Also, fall, a time where some issues that are here 365 days a year, really become in the forefront. We'll talk more about where the Community Foundation is supporting things like child care and mental health for students. So stick with us. More to come. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. We're checking in with the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region with Megan Schusler, their Assistant Vice President of Donor Services and Gift Planning. Back to School is on the brain here today. And I think for our listeners, Megan, there might be some going... Okay, I don't have kids in school. I, this is not relevant to me. But we, we try to, you know, reach everybody here. So how can we keep back to school, I guess, in mind, even if you don't have kids or you're not connected to a school district right now?
1: Absolutely. There's a number of ways that people can get involved in supporting back to school efforts at area nonprofits. A few that come to mind are Community Clothes Closet. They often do a back to school campaign where they help kids pick out some clothes that they can wear to school so that they've got five different outfits that they can wear every day, get a pair of shoes, um, even some things as undergarments, and, and help them get ready to go back to school and clothes that make them feel good yeah. and so that they can have that confidence going back to school the first day. So that's one organization that supports a lot of back to school efforts. The other organization organizations that are widely known in the community are things like food pantries and food programs. Um, St. Joseph's Food Program also runs a backpack food assistance program where they make sure that children who maybe not don't have the resources to have enough to eat over the weekend go yeah. home with a backpack every Friday so that they can have their breakfast and lunch and dinner and some snacks so they don't come back to school hungry on Monday mornings. So there's there's a lot of programs like that in the area. We talked about our own backpack campaign for kids program where that's more of the school supply focus. Um, so, so things just making sure they've got the basic things that they need. Food, clothing, um, a backpack full of school supplies that they can use every day and feel like they fit in with their peers at school once that first day comes around.
2: Yeah, it's so important. Uh, And one thing too, uh, not to be applied for quite yet, but scholarships are something that if you've got a junior or a senior, this might be something you want them to be Looking into or researching a little? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, for those students that we have that are nearing the end of their learning careers mm-hmm. for the public or private school level, and they want to go on to college or a technical college, we've got our scholarships are not open yet, but students are able to go and search on our website and see what is out there so they can kind of think about what do they want to do, what scholarships would they like to apply for, and then start getting those things together because some of them require essays and you'll want to think about that and not be doing those at the last minute. So those scholarships will open later this fall. Um, towards the holiday season, and then they'll be able to go out and apply for those. But it's never too early to think about what you want to apply for, where you might fit um, fit the application process, and and what you want to do post high school.
2: And I would also... I'm wondering if you are on the other side, maybe able or have the ability to create a scholarship fund. You might be able to look into doing that through the Community Foundation this time of year too?
1: Absolutely. So our scholarship funds open in the fall, but our team is always there to talk to anyone who is thinking about opening a scholarship fund with us and our our. Team there, Ida, our scholarship manager, is happy to have a conversation with anyone who wants to talk about what the options might be and where it might fulfill a legacy that you and your family are considering to help students in the future. That's great.
2: Okay, I, I love this top this point that you brought up too. Um, fall is time when maybe issues including our children, pop up, uh, the need for child care, uh, facilities, providers, and, and parents looking for, for all of that, or mental health for students. What can you tell us about how the Communica- Community Foundation hits on these areas, too? Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's a time where um, a lot of teachers are going through some training, either through school districts or a daycare that they might be teaching at. And one of the ways that we can help is we have issued some grants to help provide that training. As we know, with childcare, the costs are so high. Parents are paying a lot for it. The it's not always able to pay your staff and give them the training. So we've actually had some organizations come to us and say we'd really like to provide this training, but it just doesn't fit in our budget because we had to give our staff raises. And so the community foundation has been able to step in and provide grants to provide that training if it's a nonprofit um, childcare entity. So we've been able to do that. Um, some of the other things that you see is. This year, it seems like Labor Day is as late as it possibly could be. And so the start of the school year is pushed back what feels mm-hmm. like an entire week. And so you've got summer camps ending. And then you have those gaps where you need to find childcare for a week. So how can we help supplement with that? What conversations are we having in our community that we can help bring that conversation to light? not only with just this particular situation, but childcare in general. And so the community foundation is engaged with organizations who really want to shine a light on childcare and what's happening in our community and how can we help. And so many of our staff members and team members of the community foundation have been involved in and helping to find a solution. And it's an ongoing conversation and it's going to take a while to get there. But we really believe that we'll be able to come up with something that's going to work for everyone to have our teachers paid fairly mm. and have child care for parents who need it when they need it. And then you talked about mental health. Yeah, too. this
2: isn't always an ongoing topic, but you think about kids who maybe had access to those resources through school districts during the school year. They take that summer break. And if you don't have those resources, um, we don't want to forget about our kids. They're coming back from the school year
1: Correct. And that's the time where we... We'll have some conversations with the organizations that provide mental health care to students and what their needs are and what they're seeing once students come back to school and where funding might be helpful through grants that we can provide to those organizations to help them expand their services, screen students, help them get the care that they need. Because the beginning of the school year is a lot for for some of our kiddos out there and for our, their families, too. So yeah. it's a time of transition, um, new things, new faces, new environments. And sometimes you see there's some, some help that might be needed out there and where can we step in. In to really get our students and families adjusted to that new routine and the support that they might need to get through the beginning of the school year.
2: Yeah. All right. You don't have to have a kid in the school district to think back to school. The Community Foundation can help you. Again, Megan, where can people go if they're encouraged perhaps to be generous and, and maybe find a program that aligns with their values?
1: Yes, you can find us at cffoxvalley.org. That's cf foxvalley.org.
2: Megan Schusler joining us. Thank you, Megan. A great topic and uh, best to your family as you head back to school.
1: Thank you. Same to yours, Haley. All
2: right. We'll take a short break. It's raining. How long will it rain? How long will the rain last? Will it get warmer out? We'll talk with Keith Gibson coming up next. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. Well, our next guest is certainly helping families connect to different areas of childcare, and we know that this is a topic that is receiving a lot of attention right now both for the need for affordable child care but also the need for child care workers and it's creating some stressors for a lot of families in the air. So we're turning to an organization that's been around for 35 plus years and they are working to improve the quality and also accessibility of early childhood education and care. That would be our our community's child care resource and referral here in the Fox Valley area. And joining us today is Lisa Alston, who is an early childhood consultant and has a lot of information for us here today. Hi, Lisa. Oh,
0: hi, Haley. Thanks for having me
2: back. Thanks for being here. And uh, remind our listeners a little bit of the organization and how your role fits into that as well. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, um, yeah, thanks for mentioning our mission statement there to improve the quality and accessibility of early childhood education and care. Um, Our whole purpose is to support families looking for regulated child care Um, environments for their uh, children and also to help uh, people who are providing care, those that are doing care in their homes, even be it unregulated, or to help them become certified, help them to become licensed in their homes to provide this care. We also work with people who are interested in uh, starting group child care centers. So I'm um, a person that can help with that as well. Um, And then also one of our big... um, hopes and and one of our big uh, dreams that we do is to work with those people who are Uh, Maybe they don't want to own their own program. Maybe they don't want to do home care. Maybe they want to work in a group child care center. And we reach out and and help them and support them to obtaining um, um, the training that they need and help them become uh, good quality early childhood professionals in a group child care center. So we do work for that.
2: I love it when a name of an organization truly represents what you do, but you are
0: a resource Mm
2: -hmm. and you help refer people. That's what you do.
0: Absolutely. We need to keep people connected. We're all one big happy circle family here so
2: excellent. Yeah. Well, how would you best describe our, our current childcare scene right now in twenty twenty three? Well, from the
0: parents perspective it's it's very expensive. Um and it's hard to find this care. Um, so many families are looking at the situations like, Well, do I work and earn a certain amount of money or do I stay home with my kids so that I don't have to pay out everything I make except for three or $400 a week, you know? And so it, it's really a healthy balance And looking at what do we need to do for our family, where we are right now. Those families that are thinking about have, uh, uh, having children or um, those families who have just recently found out they're pregnant, now is the time to be reaching out to us so that we can generate this free uh, referral list for you so that you can go ahead and start looking at who might be your child um your your child care program for your family
2: You've heard of extremes, and I, I hate to say it as an extreme, but you hear of people before they even get pregnant mm-hmm. looking into child care facilities.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We're we're hearing more and more of that as well. So um, just trying to find out, well, what's going to be a best fit for our family? You know, is it a family child care environment so that they have, you know, mixed age groups? Or can all of my children attend and, and be together? Um, or is it better for our family for us to look at a group child care environment, you know? And so making that good connections and knowing what to look for in a quality child care program is really important. You look at 90 percent of a child's potential is determined by the quality of their experiences before age five. Mm. So if we're working parents, we're gone most of the time during our child's waking hours. Even so, who's raising our children? You know, so really having that good cooperative working environment with a quality early childhood program is critical for not only your ability to work and to bring home the bring home the bacon, you know, mm. but also the fact that your child is in this person's care. What are they learning?
2: Let's go on the other side of things, mm-hmm. the child care providers themselves. What's their current scene and scenarios and challenges that they are facing? I don't think we got enough time to talk about it. No, we do <laughs> it's not. It's terrible. Um, but one of the big things is for
0: those people that are doing um, family care, you know, it's like, yes, they have the benefit of being able to do this in their home and to provide care for their own children. But now they have how many people are knocking on their doors and Begging and pleading with them, I just need a space for my child that I feel comfortable with. The same way with group centers, and then part of what the centers are facing is that you know they may have all these classrooms, which would be great. They have these slots, but unfortunately, because they don't have that qualified staff, that qualified trained early childhood professional in there to to be that child's teacher and to be or to be the assistant teacher, they are faced with these ratio uh, issues where they can only have a certain number of children, they have closed rooms for us to use these slots because we can't reach those early childhood teachers. So that's one of the things that we're working really hard for uh, right now in, in providing scholarship money that we can use to help these people who are interested in invested in early childhood to be these early childhood professionals.
2: I would imagine that the type of person needed to be a child early childhood educator, um, what are some of those qualities or characteristics or or what are you saying maybe to encourage people to look into that career field to help fill those gaps?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, if you're doing um, that group care environment or a family care environment, either one, the first thing is, you gotta get early childhood kids. You gotta you gotta get them. You know what I mean? And understand you them. You have to understand mm-hmm. them and, and knowing that, you know, they're not little adults. They don't rationalize like we do or some of us do. <laughs> I have my days. But there are you know you so you have to have that right personality you have to be that person wants to get in the floor and to get the play-doh and so what if you mix up the play-doh that's fun too I let my grandson do it all the time we have a blast with it right so it's just one of those things about that's the person you know that would be great in this you know you have the the Uh, stay-at-home mom or grandma or grandpa or dad maybe stays at home you know that that could be the person that is able to provide this level of care that they can't even the other children can't get out outside of their own home right Mm -hmm. so um finding that person who's willing to open up their hearts and and get in the floor with kids and not just you know turn on the tv and say here go entertain yourself you know or hand them a laptop or what it be but it's Really being able to understand how does a child develop? What do they need to be that best person they can be? You know, Mm -hmm. we're teaching skills and abilities and and cooperative care and and being able to help that person, that little person, learn how to engage in his or her environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So as part of those qualities, you have to have that natural instinct and that love of children, that age group is, is kind of what I'm getting to there. But then you also have to have a trained professional, you know i mean i'm i have a master's degree in education i'm an education specialist by training but you know even i had to take additional training to do this so it's it's not something that just anybody off the street can do unless they're willing to put in the time and the energy to learn about what needs to what needs to happen for these little guys and gals
2: you know it it seems like a long road ahead Lisa. Mm-hmm. they're calling it a crisis it is very right much now. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel or how do we get better? How can we maybe bridge that gap? Anything?
0: Absolutely. There is always light at the end of the tunnel and it's always a positive. Mm -hmm. And I say that because there is always hope. And things always change. Um, there are lots of funding opportunities. There are grants available. We have scholarships that are available for people who are interested in this field. And, and even if it's a short-term thing, even if you just need to do this while your kids are little, and then once they go into school maybe you decide that you want to further your career or whatever you know so there are so many people that can have this possibility that can change the stars for some of these little people you know um, there are lots of grants opportunities lots of scholarships as I mentioned one of the ones that we're working with right now is to get scholarship money to help pay for this uh, foundational training that these teachers need in order to provide quality well the quality care, but also to have that educational foundation for them to know what they need to be doing for this age group. Mm -hmm. And so we try to cut those costs for our providers, continuing education costs, those kind of things. Um, There are just so many options, and we're only limited by our own imagination. If you can dream it, you can happen. And we have a big dream at CCRNR.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll do what it takes
2: to get the job done. How can we uh, get the word out about those scholarship opportunities or share those with people who we might be a think might be a good fit for this industry? This yeah, area? absolutely.
0: Well, thank you for having us on the show now, today. Of course. So, course, this is yeah. one, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one. We are happy to do this uh, whenever you can can get us in so let us know. Um, but, um, you know, just word of mouth. Tell people and talk to people, when you have struggles, call us. You know, even if you are not the one that's interested in providing care, you're worried about your children. You know, what can we do? We'll help brainstorm with you. Have you thought about maybe, is this something that grandma might be willing to do for a few hours a week? Or, you know, do you have a neighbor that could potentially do this care for you? We can help you. We can support you. We start where you are and we start walking that journey together forward.
2: Okay. We're going to take a little break but when we come back more on what the child care resource and referral organization is working on and one way you can help support their their needs as well so
4: we'll fill you in on their shoe drive in just a few minutes <laughs>
2: Welcome back. All right, we're checking in with the Child Care Resource and Referral Organization here in the Fox Valley. We have Lisa Alston with us, an early childhood consultant. You've got a shoe donation drive through event coming up, and this is a great way to support the organization. Fill us in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lots and lots of great information about this. Did you know, Haley, that in the 2015 Environmental Protection Agency report, they indicated that our landfills have 65.7% textiles including shoes and clothing mm. and as part of what this does with um, by us collecting these shoes um, there are 70 percent of the global population that needs to that repurposes these shoes so what we're doing is we are collecting shoes here in the fox valley um, and then we're taking those and we're partnered with an agency called uh, funds to orgs group and that group will take these and they get them to what they call micro entrepreneurs who who use these shoes, repurpose them, sell them in third world nations here and they are actually able to earn enough money to put food on their tables and shelters over their children's heads. And But we're using the money that we get from this funds to org's opportunity, um, organization to help fund that foundational trainings I was mentioning earlier and all those continuing education um, workshops that we offer to keep those prices as low as we can or even sometimes free hmm. for those child care providers so that they, we can help support them in their continuing development as early
2: childhood professionals. Excellent. So if you've got some shoes lying around that aren't being utilized, this is a place you can donate to. What condition do the shoes Absolutely. need to be well, in? Well, they they
0: don't necessarily have to be new. You know, they can just be like clean. Um, we don't, you know, avoid broken heels, things, the, no skates, no rollerblades, things of that nature. But um, just, you know, shoes your kids have outgrown or shoes you just no longer wear, you know, um, found a tote of shoes the other day I was like oh well, that's where they were <laughs> <laughs> yep haven't used them in three years don't think I need them so okay. um, bring them in uh, you can we are actually having a shoe drive uh, drive-through event um, here at our office at child care resource and referral uh, we're located at 1001 West Kennedy Avenue here in Kimberly um, on Saturday August the 19th from 9 to 11 you don't even have to get out of your car throw them in you know your uh garbage bags in the back of your car drive through roll we'll grab them tell you thank you and you can move on with your day so Perfect. have that coming up uh we uh do have a lot of partner agencies here in the community that are also p- uh, collecting shoes for us we've got uh country financial in ripon we have pierce manufacturing uh bisa realtor and uh Dix um dick's family food in sherwood just lots of different places around okay. um so uh, we do have that as well um and then in any time that you would have shoes even if it's outside of the shoe drive we'll be collecting them for next year too so feel free to drop them off at our office
2: perfect lisa we're we're so out of time and i'm
0: so sorry but sorry thank
2: you no we're great information today remind us your website really quickly people want to look look it up
0: absolutely www.ccrrfoxvalley.org
2: fantastic not enough time we'll bring you back and talk more on this really critical topic of child care thank you lisa and that's it for me on this uh monday enjoy the rain everybody we're back tomorrow we'll fill you in uh Uh, on so many topics, including Girls on the Run, People of Progression, United Way Fox Cities, and Rock Cancer all joining us on your Monday. Make it a lovely day.